And this segment of the show is sponsored by our friends over at Two Under. I want to remind you about our friends over at Two Under, men's performance briefs, the unofficial underwear of the PGA Tour. Worn by PGA Tour players like Ricky Fowler, David Toms, Jerry Kelly, William McGirt, Jason Kokrak, and Matt Everett, to name just a few. Your buddies are going to think you're a stud if they're even seeing you in your underwear, which is another story. And your girlfriend and her wife is going to love the side effects, a visibly enhanced profile. The Joey Pouch technology provides the ultimate male asset management. It separates a man's most valuable assets from bodily contact to reduce unwanted skin-on-skin contact, providing less chafing, more control, and an altogether more luxurious feel. Start every round two under by wearing the coolest performance briefs on the market. Use code ONTHET20 to save 20% off your order at twounder.com. And that's the number two, UNDR.com. All right, now back with me here on the French Lick Resort guest line is Scott Felix. Scott has 20 years of experience in club fitting and repair. He's been working with guys that have been out on tour like Lauren Roberts, Casey Wittenberg, Tom Stickney, our good friend Sean McKeel. Scott has been named a top 100 club fitter by Golf Digest, Callaway, Mizuno, and Ping. It's, you know, I tell you what, if it's happening with respect to golf equipment, Scott's your guy. Anything you need, you need to go see him. If you're anywhere near Memphis, Tennessee, and you want to get perfectly fit for your golf clubs, or better yet, have him build a set for your swing, you really need to go see him. Check him out online. FelixClubWorks.com is his website on social media, at FelixClubWorks. And I'm very excited he is back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Scott, thanks for coming back on the show. Thanks, Chris, for having me. Scott, I always like to start with you by talking about one of the myths around club fitting, and that is that tour players or low handicappers are really the only ones that need to worry about being fit for their clubs, when actually the opposite of that is what's the case, right? High handicappers aren't good enough not to get fit. Talk about some of the success stories you've had with helping people break 100. That That's exactly right. I have so many people. I had a gentleman in the other day that, you know, was just really just couldn't believe that shafts really made a difference. Different clubs really helped out a lot. And getting him in there and doing stuff. And, you know, results vary from person to person. And uh, we ended up doing some different things, getting him set up. We went through all t- types of drivers of what he was looking for, spending his current driver a little too much, leaving it out to the right. I was able to put some different combinations together, started hitting it a little further, more consistent for him. And then at the the end of the session, you know, an hour later, we picked up 32 yards from his current driver and hit it further than he's ever hit it before. And to your point, right, I think that is is something people don't understand enough is that really the shaft is the engine of the golf club, right? It makes all the difference. Exactly right. You know, the head's the chassis. You got the, the shaft that matches up with your golf swing that gets the club head back to the ball the best way based on how you load it. And then the and then the golf ball is the gas. You want to make sure that you're dialed in in all those areas, making sure that all that stuff's performing and working towards giving you a little more spin, launching a little bit lower, launching a little bit higher, trying to make it go a little straighter. But once you kind of get all those combination and variables all dialed in from the settings that you can do with the hosel nowadays, the uh, different weight configurations on these drivers, get all of them perfectly matched up. People just start playing more consistent golf. They're hitting less balls out of bounds. They have more of an opportunity to put an iron on their second shot. 
when they go and play golf, which makes them relax a lot more. They don't put so much stress on that tee game as much, and then they're shooting lower and lower scores as they go out. So if you really think about you know, kind of deconstructing our swings and then really building it back up from from the ground up, when you when you are doing a fitting, is it how do you how do you assess like all right is, is it this head is it this shaft is it this grip is it this grip thickness all that sort of stuff how do you go through sort of that fitting process what's it like when people come to visit you when when somebody walks in you know the first thing I'm doing is the most important parts kind of the interview. You know, what are you looking to do? Are you, you know, what is your miss? Cause I get them just in a small snapshot of time of seeing what they're doing that day in front of me. And, you know, if they say, Hey, I, I, I missed the ball right when I missed the ball. I had a guy earlier today, um, uh, just said, you know, I hit the ball a little high. I kind of hit it in the neck just a little bit. I missed the ball to the right. I don't understand why, you know, can we get something that works for me better where I'm hitting the ball a little straighter? I would love to hit maybe draw the ball a little bit more. And watching what that person's doing when I'm getting them on the track, man, and seeing ball flight, I'm starting to figure out exactly why after the first handful of shots. And then I start looking at their setup. You know, this gentleman had the ball a little bit too far back in the stance, and he had a little bit of a weak left hand. So just talked to him about that, moved his golf ball up a little bit more, gave him a couple other options with a little more upright lie. Before you know it, he's getting the ball on a better ball flight going out, wasn't floating because the face wasn't open and he wasn't hitting down on it as much. And he's starting to hit that little natural draw. And again, we picked up some more yardage and hitting the ball a lot more consistent with less effort. So as you're watching these guys do stuff, there's things that are going in my mind, knowing how different combinations work for certain players. So certain club heads are coming to mind, certain ones I'm not even looking at at all. And I just start giving them different, options and different things and just showing them, hey, if they hit it high and right, I'm trying to see how I can get it to go low and left first. And then if we can kind of work our way back and find the happy medium, then we're then we're it's a win win for both of us. So um it's just things in my head as I'm going through, watching what they're doing, what their tendencies are, how they're holding on to the golf club. If they've got, you know, too big of a grip and they're wearing a medium large glove, talking to them about how bigger grips and smaller grips could help or hinder what you're trying to do, ball position, forward shaft lean. And as you start talking through these these common sense areas with people, they're starting to understand why they're seeing what they're doing. At the same time, I'm giving them something that functionally works for them better. And then they start to get better and better quicker. And that, And that's the really cool thing to see. Scott, you when you and I were talking a couple of weeks ago, I was telling you about one of my buddies, Bob, who has some older Adams, I, Adams Idea irons, and and he took them to a local fitter who said, you know, boy, if I if I bend these, you you need it two degrees upright, but if I bend it, they're just going to bend right back, which sounds crazy to me. But talk about you know it, it, bending the bending clubs and making sure we have the you know the right angle and the right lie and that sort of thing. Talk about the benefits of at least doing that, at least taking your clubs that you've already got and taking them to a fitter and getting those things fit. And, oh, by the way, if you bend them up, do they bend back? Is that a myth? Is that a thing? That's that's a myth. That doesn't work. That's just somebody that either doesn't want to do their job or doesn't want to help the, the, the individual out, which is sad to hear somebody say that to somebody. Um, but definitely something a little more upright. And it's all starting at the person having 
ball in the right position, having a square club face, you know, all these different variables, not only is the lie angle super, super important for somebody that's just beginning maybe to want to go get lessons, is to get a golf club that works for them and the fact that, that it doesn't have to be overly detailed, but let's get them in a, a functional posture. So when the instructor starts working with them on golf swing stuff, they can get in those positions a little bit easier. Um, if they tend to miss the ball a little to the right, we'll make it a little upright. It's not making it four and five and six degrees upright. That's ridiculous. There's just subtleties that you can do all throughout the golf club with shaft, grip, club head design, lie angle to get them in a functional better, better spot. And then they can go take lessons. If they have something that doesn't really fit them from a, from a setup, uh, perspective, like your, you know, your, your buddy that's six foot something. If he was just playing with standard link golf clubs, and I'm sure six something, he's got bigger hands. So if he's playing with a smaller grip and the line angle could be too flat, he's going to struggle getting the ball in the air, hitting the ball with any kind of consistency and really hating the game a lot. So if we could get him just some different things, maybe a half inch longer, a little more upright, the grip feel more comfortable in his hands. And then he got a little instruction. Then he'll start enjoying the game and start seeing how much better he could play just having stuff that actually works with what he does. And I think one of the things that you mentioned about grip size is something that we don't give enough consideration to is the thickness of the grip. Talk about how important it is to make sure that you have the right grip in your hand so the club feels comfortable to you. Well, that's the, that's your connection to the golf club. That's something that you're holding on. That's the first thing you feel. Uh, and it's got to feel right in your hand when you have your grip on there correctly, your hands in the right position. So um, there's people that get too big of a grip. They can't square the face up. The ball goes out to the right. You know, they can have something too small and they're squeezing on it too hard just because they don't want to let the club slip and go down the fairway or kill somebody when it comes out of their hand. So that could cause the, the, the ball to go to the right. Um, but you explain to them, go, if I can get you in the right grip that feels comfortable to your hands based on what you do and what you need, um, it's going to feel a lot better to you. It's going to feel more balanced. It's going to feel more comfortable in your hands. You won't have to worry about squeezing on it too hard and still have control of it. You know, it's just like a tractor. If you get a grip that's too small for you, the front wheel of a tractor spins around a lot and you could miss a lot of balls to the left. You could have too much grip pressure, block them out to the right. Vice versa, if you have a, you know, the back wheel of the tractor, it takes forever to get around while the front wheel's out racing it all the time, then you could never square the face up and it could hinder you in a lot of different ways, taking head weight away, seal the golf club, and it could just make the golf club feel really, really clunky. And sometimes when guys go in there and they grab hold of a grip just out of a, a grip bin, they go, man, this feels great. But until they put it on that golf club and start swinging it, it functionally will not fit them correctly unless you explain to them based on their wrist to the tip of their finger and then their finger length and you start showing what they're doing. And then you can, you can do different things with the grip. You can add extra layers of tape in certain areas to build it up. If they're kind of in between sizes, there's so many different things that you can do and make that golf club feel so much better. If you have somebody that's knowledgeable about golf grips and how to wrap it or put you in the right direction, whether it's something with cord in it, something that's softer, different textures, and explaining and walking somebody through that to get them that actually feel something awesome in their hands. 
Now, Scott, you also have a putting lab, and that's another thing that I don't think we all give enough consideration to outside of going into you know a, a retail outlet and grabbing a bunch of putters and putting it on the putting green they may have in there and say, ah, this one feels good, and we take that one and away we go. But there's there's a need to be fit for our putters as well. Talk about the steps involved to make sure that we have the right putter for our game. One of the main things that I do right off the bat is trying to figure out what kind of shape looks good to them. You know, they a mallet person. Do they like blades? Do they like lines? No lines. I mean, trying to show them with the laser grid board that I have, I'm able to put a mirror on the toe of the putter, and I get them to line up with different style putters with different lines and show them how they can aim something different with lines. That would be the first thing. Um, showing them with their current putter. Hey, what do you do with your putter? What's going on? Um, I did two at the end of the day today with guys that missed the putts way to the left. I put the mirror on the toe. They're aiming two to three degrees to the left of the hole from a 10-foot putt. Started showing them how I could get different lines on there, and visually it makes them move that putter in a way where it's more square. And, and they'll start aiming at a little more right or a little more left based on what I want that particular player to do. So looking and finding a putter that actually they can line up is probably the first key part. Finding the shape, and if we can get the lines and the shape, that's great. And then nowadays they have so many more putters with different style toe hangs. And what I mean by toe hangs, if you, you held the putter and just held it by the shaft, just kind of put it on a rack or the edge of a table and let the toe just kind of dangle off the edge of the, the table, you'll see how that face will either be parallel to the ground, it'll have a quarter toe hang, half, three-quarter, or full, you know, full 90 degrees, point straight, toe straight down to the ground. So all those have different effects on how you release or square the putter up. So the combination of different things of getting somebody – just like the irons, in the right position to get their eyes over the ball in the right spot every time. Get them some lines that they can line the putter up where they think the ball is supposed to go. And then just try to match that up with a neck that matches their, their stroke type. So they can make, if they leave it out to the right, maybe they get a putter that helps them square the face up a little bit more. If they have a lot of rotation in their stroke and a lot of hands, you know, you can massage the grip being a little bit bigger. You can do different things with the toe hang to help slow that toe down just a little bit and keep that ball more on line. There's a lot of stuff to it. And there's a lot of variables that go into it. And it's pretty neat watching somebody get a putter that they can keep on line and actually aim it where they think that they're aiming it. And one of the things that, the, you know, I don't think a lot of people understand is putters have loft typically around four yeah. degrees of loft. But then, you know, there's, so where I get confused is my putter's got, you know, four degrees of loft. But, you know, in some of the lessons that I take, well, you know, you got the forward press. So if I'm going to forward press, then I'm essentially taking loft off the putter. So is is for for you and when you're putting somebody together and getting their putting game going, are you a forward press guy, not a forward press guy? Should I... If I just had zero degrees of loft, would I still need to do a forward press? Talk about, you know, the putting game along those lines. On those lines, you know, when you're standing there face on, looking and messing around with Sam Putt Lab, 
figuring people out from that perspective is how they deliver the putter back to the ball. You know, do they have a little bit of lean as they're coming in into the golf ball? You know, finding out what their true effective loft is at impact. You want to have a little bit of loft at the same time of having forward shaft lean. And as that ball is up in your stance just a little bit, you're catching it on the upstroke with a little bit of lean, and that's what gets the ball that forward roll. It's almost think about a tennis racket when you're trying to return the ball and you want to put top spin on it. That tennis racket is coming from, you know, low to high with a little bit of lean into it, and that's what gets that ball rolling forward. And that's very similar from a putting perspective. So it's uh, it's, it's again just making sure that the person understands where the ball needs to be in their stance based on what they're doing. You know, does somebody have a lot of hands in it? Do we put them in a, a putter? And e- even some of the tour players that I deal with, we'll, we'll do one to two degrees aloft. Some we might do five degrees aloft. And one player that actually plays six degrees aloft, but he has a very unique swing. He's a great player out on the web, played a lot of PGA Tour stuff last year. He leans it extremely a lot through impact and that's the only way he's always putted never really had a lesson and he putts and his short game is phenomenal and that's somebody you don't want to mess with that's a very unique situation but it's all over the board but just for the nuts and bolts of getting somebody in there is really just getting them their setup correctly if they tend to have a little bit of throw down at the bottom which means they kind of lose the angle. They're not leaning it through impact. You might want to just massage a little bit of loft out of there and get it from four to maybe three or two and a half to get that ball rolling a little bit better and they're not chipping it with some backspin and then rolling. Or, you know, if you have somebody that just leans it way too much through impact, you have that too. You might just add a little bit more loft to get that effective loft at impact as best as it can be to get the ball rolling true on that line. Scott, just a couple more before I let you go. And um, we talk an awful lot about short game on this show. And I think one of the things that uh, a lot of us get confused about is how to pick out the right wedge for us, whether it's pitching wedge, gap wedge, sand wedge, lob wedge. And based on what type of swing that we have, and I'm a sweeper. So when you look at guys that sweep like me, or those that might be you know, certainly more skilled that can take a divot. How do we know which and bounce is the thing? How do we know what degree of bounce is perfectly suited for our swing? That's a very, very good question. And there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of talk. And uh, when it comes to that, figuring out what you really do versus what you think you do. Um, I would say right off the bat that, I would say 99% of people play not enough bounce. So understanding that bounce is your friend, bounce is going to help you out. Even though you're a sweeper, um, more bounce is going to let you get away with a little bit. Even if you sweep and you kind of chunk it behind it, more bounce is at least going to let the leading edge kind of stay above the ground to where you can get back to the golf ball. So, we do kind of classify players based on are you a slider sweeper? Are you more neutral? Are you a digger driver? Um, and then what kind of conditions do you play in? You know, are the bunkers at your course? 
Do you have kind of shallow bunkers? Do you have um, deeper bunkers where you might need a 60 degree? If you're playing shallow stuff, 60s look cool, but I would probably tell you that you might want to do a 54 and a 58 degree versus getting something so high lofted because the more the loft that you have, the more of a chance you're going to have to screw it up. So I love listening to the uh, your guest right before talking about people chipping with eight irons and nine irons. That's absolutely perfect with what she was saying with more of a putting stroke motion and stuff like that. So if we can manage around the greens, understanding what kind of bounce you need for what you do and the conditions you play, it's going to make it even your misses a little bit better. So getting the ball in the right spot. Um, and you really, if you have the opportunity and you can Google online, find a place that has demo wedges that you can actually chip on chipping greens around outside instead of just hitting balls kind of off a mat and saying, oh, this feels good. Well, uh, uh, something with no bounce versus something with a lot of bounce is going to feel absolutely almost the same off a mat. That really didn't give you a good good reading. So if you can find anywhere, wherever you live locally, that you can grab and just grab three. If you take one particular, say 58, grab something with a mid-bounce, low-bounce, and high-bounce, and just go over there and don't look at the bottoms and grab them randomly and chip from different areas that you struggle with, one will always seem to get get a little bit better results even when you miss it, and you might surprise yourself how much more bounce that you actually gravitate towards. Scott, before I let you go, remind our listeners how they can check out all your great services that you provide and follow you, whether it's on your website or it's on social media. The best way to find me is look at felixclubworks.com, and it has tabs to all my social media links on that website. Well, Scott, I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your night to come back and be a part of the show. Always learn something when you join me, so I hope you'll come back and do it again real soon, my friend. You're fantastic. Absolutely. I love being on the show. Uh, Thanks again for the invite, and not to reiterate what she said, but Exactly. I love all the uh, all the compliments and the shout outs that you give every week to all of us that come on the show and uh, how you support uh, golf as a whole. Uh, it's awesome. And I really do appreciate it. I appreciate you, Scott. Thank you so much for your time tonight. I look forward to catching up with you again real soon in between now and then. All the best to you and your family, my friend. You too, Chris. Thanks. See you, Scott. That's a great Scott Felix. FelixClubWorks.com is the is his website. And at Felix Clubworks, you can find him on social media, on Twitter, and on Instagram. It's great stuff, folks. I'm telling you, we we and I and I got my hand in the air here. I, you know, there's so much to learn about the golf club and the, you know how how the shaft impacts you know the the way that you're going to swing the club and how successfully you're going to hit the ball to where your intended target is. You. Grip, I think, is something that is underappreciated for finding the right one that feels good in your hands. We are, you know, good friends with the folks over at Golf Pride. We can't thank those guys enough for being a part of the show. They've got so many great uh, grips for you. So go out to our good friends at the PGA Tour Superstore. Get some of those in your hand so you can find out which one of those feels right to you. But Scott's fantastic. Go see him. If you're anywhere near Memphis, Tennessee, he's the guy to go see to build your clubs 
from the ground up and it's going to make a world of difference in how, how much enjoyment you get out of the game and how well you score. All right, folks, time for me to put a bow on this episode of Next on the Team. My sincere thanks to Kevin Roman, Allison Curtin, and Scott Felix for joining me tonight. Please check out our website, nextonthetea.net. On there, you're going to see our guest schedule, so you'll be able to stay up to date with who we've got coming up on the show. Plus, we link back to our site over there on Podbean, so you can stream or download any of our archive episodes for free. Plus, you can also stream us on a number of great sites. Spotify, iHeartRadio, Audioboom, Player.fm. We're all over the net. So if you've got a favorite podcasting site, I'm sure we're on it. So check us out. Take us with you everywhere you go. You can stream us right there by downloading any of those apps. On uh, So you'll be able to take us with you, you know, on uh, wherever it is you go. On your commute, at the gym, at the grocery store, wherever it is. Please check us out and uh, give us a follow. That's very important to us. Uh, please also give me your thoughts. Go online to our Facebook page, Next on the Tee with Chris Mascaro. You can share your feedback with me right there. Plus, if you've got a question you'd like me to ask for you to one of our future guests that you see on our guest schedule or someone who's already been on the show, be glad to get that done for you as well. Folks, thank you so much for choosing to listen to this show tonight. We really appreciate the fact that you're making Next on the Tee part of your golfing content. Until next week, hit them straight, my friends. Tuesday.